Welcome to In the Note, home of the Frisbee gang and others who like to mediafy everybody with their views. We like to influence audiences, so the influencers are here and back to talk about what things we have problems with, apparently, <laughs> all the time. Um, you know, let's let's get right into it. Let the mediafication commence. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Uh, first, this podcast is sponsored by the Birdsaw Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Hooker Media, located at 918 Poitras Street by the Superdome. Give them a call at 504-523-5413. If you or someone you know has been involved in an accident, make sure to mention we sent you Birdsaw Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Bucru Media. Mason, my fellow gang member of the Frisbee gang. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna say that ever again. Anyways, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think I know this reference. Like I, I caught up on all this stuff yesterday or this morning, but I don't know the frisbee piece. Was this? Is this like a Reddit? Is this like a what forum is this on? It, it's on Twitter. It's on Twitter. Okay. It's yeah. It's, it's just a um, culmination of things that were happening yesterday. Okay. Anyways, right. um, <laughs> how are you doing, man? What's up with you? Uh, Pelicans a bit all star break and. They uh, didn't quite enter it in the fashion they would have hoped to enter it, which is with a win against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they they lost that game. I see you are wearing a uh, Empire shirt. Um, see some Stormtroopers there with Vader Classic and a Yankees hat. I mean, true, true. Embracing the villain man. going on. Yeah, embracing the villain. Not, not not to be confused with the Lakers villainy. That's a whole different level. But yeah, not a um, not 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 a great end. I mean, look, I don't think. Well, the second we heard LeBron was, you know, taking a week off just to prepare for this game, um, I think we and the game in, in in Los Angeles. I mean, I, I didn't expect to win this game. I, I think that the, the degree to which the Pelicans seemed to be kind of outclassed in that game was a little disappointing. Um, they 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 hung around, I guess you could say, but I don't think anyone can realistically say they, you know, felt like they had a Pelicans had a good chance to win that game after the tip. Like it just didn't, it didn't feel like a, a good game for them. Um, and so look, I mean, and it's not even a situation where, all right, well, after the all-star break, we're going to be, everyone's going to be right and healthy and we're going to move forward. Cause it's going to be kind of the exact same thing. I mean, you'll get Nance back. Nance is a big loss against a team like the Lakers, but you know, we also heard Zion's gonna be out for a little while longer. So, um, so, you know, it's the, the team is in decent position. We'll, you know, we'll get into it. They've got the easiest remaining strength of schedule in the league or something close to it. But um, it's a packed, it's a jam-packed Western Conference and there's no guarantees. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, I think I have to like disagree a little bit about, you know, you shouldn't have expected to win that game. That's, that's a game that they won four times last year. Uh, and they didn't have Nance on the team uh, for, I think, most of those games. They are capable of winning those type of games. I understand the Lakers got new, new pieces. Um, the Angel Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, who are much better than the pieces that they sent out. Uh, it's still a game that Pelicans are capable of winning. If they don't turn the ball over the, you know, score in, in a way that they did last season. Um, I, you know, overall their defense in the half court was fine. Again, once again, their half court defense is really not the issue. It's when it's in transition one, the Lakers are, I want to say, the second or third best, maybe they're the best transition team in the league. They're one of the best, right? <clears throat> they're up there with like Memphis and Milwaukee and Toronto. Um, so they're, they're among the best transition teams in the league. They will punish every single mistake that you make 
And then on top of that, every shot that you miss, they're just going to take every opportunity to leak out and and push the ball. And even when you make shots not, too, not just yeah, even shots. when you <laughs> even even when you make shots. And you know, Darvin Ham gets a lot of that from you know his time in Milwaukee. They're they're a really good team at doing that as well. And uh, honestly, uh, there's a pretty strong correlation. I'm not calling the Lakers contenders, but there's a pretty strong correlations with the team teams that end up winning the championship or have won at a high level and the time of time they spend in, you know, transition. Um, and, and I think part of that's just like, it, it's a decent signifier of defensive ability, but part of that's like, those are the easiest baskets in the game. You know, they're typically, you know, not defended as well, but um, yeah, it's, it's just like one thing on top of another that uh, I guess accumulates over the course of a game that makes it difficult to keep pace with teams like the Lakers when they're playing, <clears throat> when the Pelicans are playing like that and the Lakers are playing like that. So I, I would disagree that it's uh wasn't really like something they should have expected to win, but you're right that as soon as LeBron became activated and then Larry um, was listed as doubtful, the game heading into all-star break in LA. Um, and then not to mention a couple ridiculous calls again, just not what caused them cost them the game, but the, the Josh Richardson uh, ejection was uh, bull crap. I got to be mindful of words here. Um, it was bull crap. And he got hammered across the head. No call. Um, two technicals ejected. CJ had um, a, a point where he was just kind of standing and LeBron tried to dunk over him. and He was just standing there. That's, he didn't do anything. <laughs> That's a foul. And then moving screens are only moving screens on certain players, not others too. Like that was yeah. Um, and, and we can go down the referee rabbit hole, but ultimately, again, I don't think that's that would cost them the game. But it certainly didn't make things easier. And uh, unfortunate, it was a, a real good opportunity to maintain that gap between them and the Lakers. Um, push the you know keep the Lakers down on the rung of of teams trying to jump over others into the playoffs. Um, keep their lottery odds down. So there was there was a lot of factors at play here but hey they're they're heading in a break and um you, as you said they have the sec, uh, the easiest schedule so what i guess what do you what do you make of that um and and how are you sort of projecting them coming out of this yeah i mean it's on one hand they have the easiest reigning strength schedule or they're they're either like second easiest or easiest on the other hand there are teams they're fighting with that also have fairly easy strength of schedules down the stretch i, I forgot the latest but the thunder and the lakers both have Pretty, they're they're definitely top ten in terms of how easy the, the remaining schedule is. I think there's a couple other teams too that are kind of that are packed in there that are you no know, that 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 should have strong closes to the year. I mean, and I think both those teams, the the Lakers and the and the Thunder, are behind the Pelicans, but not it's not that far. I mean, it's it's close enough, and that so that the Pelicans have a lot uh, to to be worried about in addition to the teams that are right around them or above them in the standings. And so I think, I think, you know, I do, I don't have a ton of reservations that if, assuming the team st- stays together the way it is, and there's no additional injury, um, bad luck, knock on wood. And they get Zion back like at the last, even like the last week of the season to ramp up for a playoffs. Hopefully I don't have concerns at the fall out of the bottom, the top 10. I, I, I think that the Pelicans have enough to, to keep in there. I have no confidence whatsoever. They'll avoid the play in. Um, and, and you, I, I wish I was more confident in that, but there's just too many teams tightly packed the way this team has been playing recently. I, I, I have my own, I have my reservations. And so 
the one thing I'll say is they have throughout the season until that rough stretch, they've, they've shown a tendency to be able to take care of business against bad teams. And so they've been really good at that. They've been one of the best teams in the league at beating the teams they're supposed to beat. So they had that going for them, but it's going to be, you know, if they can avoid the play in and get the top six, that would be a, a surprise for me, but a very welcome one. Yeah. I think, I think a little bit of what goes into the, easiest schedule statistic is opponent record and part of playing the Lakers twice is what contributed to that statistic they've already lost one of those games that we'll see them again so I don't think it's necessarily an easy game I think Golden State's on the docket as well and there's some other teams that are kind of like frisky that are not necessarily represented by their record but that contribute to the easiest um, schedule bid and then a lot of those games are on the road as well where the Pelicans have not been a great team and so I'm like you said, I, I share your lack of optimism that they'll be able to avoid the play in here. But um, I'm with you that it would take a major collapse for them to drop out of the play in pitcher as, as well. And I think right now the goal still should be to avoid playing as much as possible. But the main goal should be is if you're in the play in, make sure you don't lose your home court spot on the play in. Make, make sure you're not going into road arenas uh, and having to play twice. You know, you can win one game and you're in. That's all you need. Um, you know, the, a 7-8 play-in would be uh, – the 7-8 game, if they win that one, would be really fun. I think it'd be – I'm willing to hear uh, arguments on either side of this, but I'm curious where you, where you land. Would you rather be the 8th seed and play the Nuggets or the 7th seed and play the Grizzlies? Huh. Um, I mean, definitely the, the, the Grizzlies. I'm not going to overcomplicate this. The Grizzlies, uh, the, the, the Nuggets have been the best team in, in the Western Conference, whether they still are, given the Tevin Durant trade, obviously up for debate, but they've been quite good. Um, and I don't, I, I'd much rather take my chances against a, a Memphis team that is less, uh, you know, has, le- I think, less top end. Uh, strength. I mean, I think Aaron Gordon played at the fringe all-star level in addition to who they have with Jamal Murray's looked better as season's gone on. Jokic is obviously, you know, arguably uh, going to be a three-time M- MVP. Um, there's just a lot, a lot there to that. I don't really would, wouldn't really want to see in the, at any point in the playoffs. So, um, you know what? I think it's, that's, that's fascinating. Cause I think if Zion's healthy, I'd rather play the Nuggets. Hmm. I think the way I look at it is, the Nuggets really don't have the personnel to stop Zion where the Grizzlies have a lot of people that can make life difficult for the Pelicans. If their outside shot isn't falling. Um, I think the Grizzlies are better equipped to play that wall style pack the paint defense. We put Brooks on Zion, you know, put Jaron Jackson on a non-shooter. Steven Adams will camp in the paint. Um, Everyone else got, you know, a foot in the paint if they need it. That stuff, I think a, a, a playoff series against the Grizzlies will be a battle in the mud where like the first team to score 100 points might win because um, mm-hmm. the Grizzlies are really not a good half-court scoring team either. Um, and and I think, I think Jaw scares me. Man, I don't want to say that. I was going to say I think Jaw scares me more than <laughs> more Jokic. Than Jokic but I, no. I really don't want to say that because Jokic just absolutely murders the Pelicans. But I think just like – I think the Pelicans are better equipped to handle 
the Nuggets, but that's going to be a, you know some of those see like some of those games in that series you got to be able to score 130 points um, in in order to beat the Nuggets, and I, I I think it's fair to say I don't have a ton of optimism that they're capable of of scoring at that level. But when you know uh, when Z is healthy, all bets are off, and at, at the very least, I know you can put Jokic in a pick and roll um, 30 times a game. With, with with Zion, I mean, there is a lot, but they kind of they did that with Embiid, they did that with Jokic when when Zion was healthy. It was Zion and Willie Hernan Gomez, the All Star big stopper man. He plays he plays against All Star bigs. He plays against Jokic. He plays against Embiid. He plays against Sabonis. You know, he he, he we wins those matchups. And uh, um, yeah, for whatever reason, I feel like I'm a little less scared of the Nuggets than the Grizzlies. Not that I like particularly scared of them but i think the grizzlies series would be very ugly and i'd get very annoyed by that series especially with the characters i, I just think it's like dylan brooks i would probably hate by the end of the series if if the if the pelicans are healthy obviously this is the the decades long long uh caveat but i mean like all it takes for the flip to for the script to flip for the memphis series is if, if you get foul prone jaron jackson in foul trouble like if you can and, and I think refs will hold the whistle a little bit more in the playoffs, so I'm not saying that's an easy task. But if he picks up a, a couple early fouls, that changes the entire dynamic for what the Grizzlies can do to stop the Pelicans. Uh, with, and again, depends on really how the Pelicans decide to use their their front line of Jonas and Zion and Larry. Larry. But um, I think that's an interesting wrinkle that you can, if, if you're kind of going after Jaron and trying to get him into foul trouble, you can really change the dynamic. And, and as this going in, if you're the seven seed trying to beat the two seed, you've got to – like that's got to be something you you got to create an advantage whoever you can, and so I think that's the way they, they would try to hopefully they potentially try to go about it. Whereas with Denver, I don't think you're getting Jokic. He's not a guy you're gonna he, he's not gonna be the rim protector or a guy. He's gonna actively try to avoid picking up fouls and stay in. On yeah, the floor. but that's so, the that's the other part is if you make him guard and you do get him in foul trouble, well, all of a sudden their offensive engine is gone, and and then they're really in trouble, right? So. I guess I can I can hear but like, like I said I can hear both sides of that. The the one thing I think probably tips things in in favor of Memphis is in order to be the eighth seed you've necessarily played two playing games. Like there is no other way to be the eighth seed, right? Because you play the seven eight first, the winner takes seven. The loser plays the winner of nine and ten, and then you know that person gets the eighth seed. So you've had a you've had two games under your belt extra in the regular season rather than just one. And, you know, while, while the opponent is just twiddling their thumbs waiting for you to take care of your playing business. And that's tough. You'd rather play um, the extra game. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I would not rather play the extra game. Oh, you were. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that tips it in favor of the Grizzlies. I'd rather just take the seven seed, not play the extra game, so, play the Grizzlies. Um, so, you know, with this team, every it, game is a possibility. Someone gets hurt. <laughs> Yeah, the one, the one. Um, actually, the other regal I'm, I'm thinking about is if you are truly throwing like any sort of practicality aside, and you're like this Pelicans team, if they're fully healthy, we saw what they can do. They can be players in the Western Conference. They can they can make a run at this. I would hear an argument to to want to, to play the one seed because the most likely scenario, I think, given how bunched up the rest of the conference is, is that Phoenix with Kevin Durant grabs three. Like I think that's probably what happens. And so if you want to avoid the two three. Uh, part of the bracket here. If you're even saying you think they can win a round, and then you you beat Memphis, and then you're stuck with Phoenix after that, that sucks. And so, so like give give me 
Give me uh, Denver in that sense, and then I'll take. I mean, obviously, I guess the Clippers who, who are also. Who would be shit who would be getting so four of that situation? Is it is it yeah, the Clippers, Clippers or is it is it the Kings? Bad. Right, because that also makes a difference. If it's the Clippers, I'm I'm super bearish on like the Kings have been super healthy all season long. They have a top five strength of schedule, hardest strength of schedule in the league remaining. I don't. I'm not. I'm not buying the stock on the Kings. I think they're a good team. I just think they've had very fortuitous injury luck, and I think they'll. I. I I think they'll stay in the top six, but like if the Kyrie and Luca thing works out, I don't know. Like there's, there's potential here for, for them to even fall back into the play in, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Clippers at four for sure. Yeah. I, there's no easy outs in the West. Man. <laughs> That's what I'll no. say. It's like, I don't <laughs> think there's any like one clear contender that you're like, okay, this is just golden state. No one, no one can hold a candle to them, but there's no easy outs in, in the West. And that's, going to be something uh for them to navigate as they get out of uh all-star break um before we i guess talk about what that might look like let's just take a second to talk about all-star uh weekend all-star break and 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 some of the stories surrounding that so first off jose alvarado and trey murphy both headed to the rising stars challenge trey murphy part of the dunk contest um i'm not you know not the smartest person, but if Trey is part of the dunk contest and Jose is also going. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I feel like there might be something something there. Um, so I think there's potential for something to, to, to happen there. What if like Jose pulls like a Grand Theft Alvarado with like the with with one of the judges or something and then like throws something to <laughs> to Trey? Like, there's a lot yeah. of potential there. There's a lot, um, yeah. There's a lot of potential there. Anyways, uh, I you know I'm curious to see what what Trey looks like dunking in a non-game setting. Um, I, I really don't have high expectations for the contest as a whole uh, because the caliber of players are just um, not the caliber they've been in some past years. And um, while I think that may make it possible for Trey to win it, um, I'm deeply curious to see what he has in his. Uh, his bag here. So um interested to see that. Um excited for those two to get an opportunity to shine at the rising star stage. Uh Zion obviously was selected a starter, is not going to play. He's had a setback, as it turns out. Um re-aggravated his hamstring injury. We kind of speculated on that uh in our on our previous podcast. Um now it's come out to the light. And it's no good, Mason. <laughs> we once again don't have a timeline on this. Yeah. Not not good. Um, and I, I mean, given everything we've seen over the last couple of years, I mean, I, I think what, what what I said before about him, maybe if he can come back on off the bench the last week before the before the playoffs are play in, that would be that that is my expectation at this point. Like I, I think it's a hamstring injury. Those are prone to reaggravations. It's not something structural with his foot or 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 knee or anything like that. So, you know, that, that I think that's the maybe the silver lining. Um Although, I mean, hamstrings can can cause their own sort of long term problems, but um, I, I'm you know hope, hopefully that this is just you know one setback and he can get back and start to get reintegrated before the uh, before the, the the playoffs come. Yeah, it's. I think the the biggest thing here is well, the funniest part was they they announced it during the Super Bowl or like right before the Super Bowl, <laughs> very classic Pelicans fashion, no real timeline on this. No, 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 any real specifics. We don't have a grade 
on on what you normally is a grade one, grade two, grade three. There's there's no real specifics on what is actually going on here. Um, and I've kind of given up on trying to figure out the Zion Williamson injury situation in throughout his career because this is just how it's going to play out, right? He'll get hurt. They won't want the information out. He'll return whenever he's ready to return. And he'll want to return way before he's ready to return. So those those are things I know to be true. Uh, and so, yeah, like you said, if late March, uh, if they can squeeze in a handful of games um, before this playing scenario, that'd be great, right? Uh, just get him, get him back up to game speed. You know, it takes, we saw how long it took for Brandon Ingram to kind of catch a rhythm. Um, Zion is no exception to that rule. Uh, it'll take him time. And so, yeah, uh, as, as someone who's tweaked his hamstring multiple times, I can empathize with, with what he's going through and they're, they're tricky. And, you know, you look at Devin Booker who, um, try to come back from it, re-aggravated it. James Harden has historically done it. Chris Paul has historically done it. There's been plenty of players that have, um, of all shapes and sizes, that have uh, gone through this. And it's just, yeah. I think it was very easy for people to just, because of like just the sheer amount of injuries the Pelicans have gone through, to just, just to look at this one as the, oh my God, like maybe the med staff doesn't know what they're doing, or maybe it's Oshner, or maybe it's, so and so, you know, et cetera. And I, I, you know, I empathize with the desire to point the finger. Um, we're all searching for an answer, but I, I really do think in this this particular situation, it's just bad luck. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, you know, it's, um, it's a guy, it's it's a competitor who wants to make do everything he can to get back as quickly as possible. You know, this, I don't think I don't think there's this is a situation where something was rushed. Like you take even if you take the, you know, you know, they, they have a process. Every team's got a process for how you return from an injury like this. And like folks have said, this is a one. This is one of the most inju- injuries that's most prone to setbacks. And so um, I think I think my my big question is really just like kind of revisiting the trade deadline as based on, you know, this news and like kind of it's a good segue to talk about Josh Richardson because he's been I think pretty good uh, in, his, in his Pelicans uh game since he's joined the team but um I do wonder you know what the you know the 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 calculus behind making that move given the Zion injury news and it does curb it, it probably it curbs your ceiling right it, you know you're not you're not looking at going into a, the playoffs as a three or four seed anymore if, if everything breaks right you're like you're you hopefully it wouldn't play in so you know how important is it to add a guy for a couple months um, given that context versus if you're really trying to maximize the roster as you head into the playoffs. So, I mean, we can, we can revisit that. I think you and I have set our piece on, on that trade itself, but it's just, I feel like the design injury creates more questions for me, not, not answers on that front. Yeah. I mean, it's just something they're going to have to deal with something they're going to have to head into the summer and make the decisions on with the tools that they have available. And we'll see. I think you and I are both curious to see because of, of where they are positioned financially, where they're positioned with regards to the tax, their opportunity to make moves is just not going to be a whole lot without shaking up um, core pieces. And, and I think we've kind of repeatedly said, you know, whether it was going to be this year or next, like the guy that's most likely to be singled out here is, is Jonas Valanciunas. Yes. You know, he has uh, a mid-tier salary that's movable, combinable with, um, other smaller salary to reach a bigger number if you need to he'll be an expiring next year it's it's yep. um just a combination of things where you know people 
he's already kind of the odd man out already in, in the rotation and how they're, they're using him and that kind of stuff. So that's probably the biggest area where they're going to uh, make a move, but like going back to Josh Richardson, um, they're not really going to be able to keep him uh, unless he's signed a way below market deal or they manage sign to create injuries. enough. What's up? Or a sign yeah. trade, something like that. Yeah. Sign, yeah. It, they're just, they're just, it's unlikely that they're going to be able to keep him, which um, is a little bit bittersweet because he's, he's played really well. He's kind of the prototype six, five, six, six guard that, um, I think you and I both campaigned for in the summer. Uh, KCP was the big one, right? We were like, okay, if you could turn Devonte into KCP, that'd be great because he's a willing shooter. He can get, he can fight through screens, and that's really all you need from that role. And they went out and got that guy, right? Uh, unfortunately, you know Richardson hasn't been quite himself from three yet, but defensively he's been all over the place, right? He's more than gotten through screens. He's uh, he had rec- recorded two, uh, two blocks and five steals in his first game was already on a pace for something ridiculous against the, the Lakers game um, as well. And, and that, you know, if the Pelicans had that kind of a presence all season long, they're probably in a little bit of a difference. There's probably like one or two wins, maybe three, three or four wins uh, better. I mean, I don't want to just be like, oh, Richardson's just like a five-win type player, yeah. but it's more of a combination of killing those Devontae minutes that that sunk him. They just straight up sunk him. Um, and, and you know, perhaps having a guy available while some of the other injuries are going on to, to help you out. But my issue, and, and you could already kind of see that his first game he played like 37 minutes, more than anybody on the team, more than Inger, more than um, – he just didn't play that game. So – uh, more than everyone, right? Second game, he was on pace to also do that. You know, he was very quickly being subbed in. Um, and I, while I don't think that's, it's not a Richardson problem, right? He's a good, he's, he's been good. I think he deserves play time. It's just like, he's, he's now going to become the answer to anything that goes wrong to the point where using him as a 35, 36 minute player is, in my opinion, going to be um, deploying him incorrectly and, and asking him to do too much. And, and that's going to kind of create problems down the line uh, elsewhere. But, I mean, we'll see, right? Like Dyson's yet to get healthy. Zion's yet to get healthy. And those people are probably going to impact somebody's minutes somewhere down the line um, mm-hmm. if it's not Richardson. But uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that, that Richardson is here to stay in the rotation this season at least. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll see how aggressive they are with, with his play. Yeah. Do, do you think that, so I'm kind of looking back to the, the move the Pelicans made that one, one guy we talked, you, you mentioned KCP. One other guy we talked about, and we had some fun jokes about this because we were talking about to go get, you know, Mason Plumlee and, and Landry Shamit, um, just you know, have them both on the podcast. But um, I do wonder if like, if, if, if Griff called Phoenix, especially given the Kevin Durant stuff and said, we'll send you Devonte and a second round pick for, for Shamit. And so that, the difference there in contract is minimal. He's making a couple, he's making like 10 mil next year and, instead of the 12 for Devonte. And then he's got no guarantee the year afterwards. Devonte's got like a 3 million guarantee. So the difference in salary is about 5 million total over the course of two years. And neither guys, Shamit's not playing for them. Um, and so, and when you trade all of your picks, all your capital for KD, it's helpful to have a couple seconds lying around, uh, you know, in case, in case you need to make another move. Uh, are on the edges this summer. I, I just wonder, like, 
And it seems like the answer is no because of tax reasons for the Pelicans. Didn't want to have that salary commitment. But I do wonder if that something like that could have been on the table as like a, a middle ground for the deadline to give you that tradable salary, even save a couple mil on the salary for next season. You keep that extra middle ground expiring. He's probably a little easier to move next if you need to duck under the tax than Devontae. I don't know. Just He, he seemed like a really nice fit for even a, a guy who maybe could get spot minutes but wouldn't take minutes from guys like Kyra, like you're, you're mentioning. So that was the one dude. And I, I kind of like look back and I, I ask why, like it, it was there, you know, is, was it really just a non-starter for them to keep salary in the books for next year? I think so. I think that's it. Because if you, if you, I, I did the math, if you renounce all your free agents this summer, which are Josh Richardson, um, J- uh, Jackson Hayes, Temple. you don't, you know, yeah, Temple, you don't guarantee his contract. Um, and this doesn't even include their first round pick hold. They are roughly 10 million under the tax. So then you add your first round pick hold. If it's like, you know, if, if it's the, the seventh pick, it's a $5.4 million salary. If it's the 10th pick, it's a $4.3 million salary. So like at each stage, you're now encroaching upon the tax and you got some roster spots to fill. So if you have sham, it's $10 million on the books they're looking at it like we're going to need to move that. That's going to be an obstacle. Yes, we can combine it, but really all that combining talk is only relevant if they were planning to at least entertain going into that tax or they have other moves lined up to like work their way under it, which they can do at the end of next season as well. That's that's the one thing I want to keep reemphasizing is they can be in the tax all season long. And at the end of the year, they can be like, oh, well, Detroit has a bunch of cat space. Here you go. Here's Jonas. And uh, I mean, it can't be Jonas. He's a um, expiring salary, but you know, like something, something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so they probably felt like that was going to be a more difficult pathway, and the net result still would have been four-ish picks, you know, four mm-hmm. second-round picks that have been spent to accomplish that. At least they want to duck the tax later, and so might as well pay that out ahead of time. Get a player that's actually good. I think Richardson is significantly better than than Shamit. Um, I agree. And, and so yeah. that is probably their line of thinking. And and I, I don't fault them for that. It's just my gripe just continues to be there's just limited pathways to improve the team. <laughs> That's all. Just I just don't like painting yourself into the corners, which, you know, they're probably arguing like we would have painted ourselves into a corner if we kept that salary, right? Because we're not paying the tax, which, you know, yeah. it, it, we'll go in circles around that. Yeah. Um <laughs> And, and it's not worth belaboring. Um, yeah. I do like Richardson. I do like his addition. What stood out to yeah. me the most is his chemistry with JV. Just like right off the bat, he, the two men keeps working really well. They know how to operate off of each other. Seems to be like the only guy that's interested in genuinely using JV as a scoring threat. Where other guys really like makes, you th- <laughs> makes you wonder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, they're like, hey, JV, come set a screen for us. Where, where Richardson's like, I'm going to pass it to him. Oh, maybe I'll score. Oh, I'm going to pass it to him. Which one is it? And and that, you know, puts the defense in a bind, and, and I really like that. Uh, so that's I, – I, I hope to continue – I hope they're going to continue to build upon that, and, and I think that's going to be a good weapon against opposing second units. Um, yeah. I, I guess, so like, wouldn't, what, that what, be the, wouldn't that be crazy if that – the thing that finally gets, uh, you know, Willie to, to adjust the rotation and say, like, all right, we're going to play uh, Nance Moore against the starters and, and, and put – put Jonas in to match second units. I feel like, I feel like he's doing that a little bit to start a second quarters, but it really isn't as much as it could be. 
And maybe he's like, oh, well, this this chemistry with uh, Josh Richardson, maybe I got to do more of it. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see if that's what finally you know, makes it happen more. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that that's definitely going to be interesting. I, I'm just so curious to see how this all shakes out when Zion gets back and mm-hmm. and how they envision the starters at that point, how they envision the closures at that point. I, I really how many times do you said think... that, by the way, and you're now sorry to interrupt, but like, so be so interested to see how this shakes out when Zion gets back. Like, like how often do you think you said that line, that very line? Oh God, <laughs> we're we talking just like the last four years. Oh my God, um, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. So when Zion gets back, I'm curious to see if what the, the guy I'm most curious about is how they utilize Herb at that point. I think we know how they're going to utilize Jonas. It's really not going to be much different than that. You know, be relegated to a 20-minute player, maybe against certain matchups he plays more, et cetera. How do they utilize Herb? And 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 now that you have Richardson, is that going to give them an excuse to put Herb in dis- different situations and put Richardson more with you know Zion units because of the offense he's able to at least he's I don't want to say he like generates offense but he's a more competent offensive player than her yeah yeah I mean it depends on how much you think you're giving up on the defensive end I, I think I think um Richardson's activity on on the defensive side is is high energy and 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 relentless um I'm, he's not going to give you the same type of on ball tenacity that I think Herb does, but I mean, I, I agree. Like he's going to, as an offensive player, there's no, there's no really, not really a comparison right now, especially in how Herb's been utilized on the whole. Yeah. I mean, I think I heard from the Lakers broadcast or the ESPN broadcast, the Pelicans are like second in the league in, in steals per game and how they batted Josh Richardson. So that's definitely fun. And Zion's not a bad uh, steal generator himself. Uh, yeah that leads to very interesting possibilities of being able to play in transition and not really having to deal with your half court offense. Um, they certainly have added another versatile tool to their tool set. And, and I, I just think they're equipped to match up against just about anybody defensively. I understand the whole JV concerns and all that, but for the most part, I think if one player is going off, but the others aren't and you're holding teams to like, 1.05 points per possession the whole way around. That's good defense. You know, that's, it's fine. Um, and yeah. especially if you're, but the, the, yeah, I mean, they, they just have to continue to be decent on the glass. Yeah. And they, and they did a decent job against the Lakers. I mean, I think they, you know, they, the Lakers didn't get their first offensive rebound until like maybe the second half. I can't remember. It was, it was definitely late in the first half, if anything. So um, yeah, that's going to be important for them. Yeah, they're they're not a bad rebounding team. They they haven't been. There's been moments of bad rebounding, and I think they're magnified when they choose to go small against bigger teams. Um, you know, notably Utah, uh, Cleveland, um, those type of teams. It's you know when when they're playing Larry more, it's tough. It's tough to keep their bigs off the glass. But on the balance, the Pelicans, even with Larry out there, have been a pretty decent rebounding team, if not elite at moments. Yeah, and even I, I I agree, especially like I, I feel like I feel like Larry, and I don't know if the the numbers prove this out, but I feel like so many times he's been asked to play like twelve minute stretches like consecutively, and I would wonder if he just wears down. Like if you're asking him to be the five and to play that many minutes in a row, 
like how are you going to sustain like that high high rebounding energy and be able to fight with 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 other big men well, for board he is wearing down you look at the the injuries look at the time he's missing he you know he his body is not holding up um in in a great way it's it's you know he, he had to miss his last one he's he's another one of those players that really needs all-star break uh, I think he even made a Twitter joke about it. Um, it's <laughs> we've got to keep pace with Josh Richardson now within the Twitter game, right? <laughs> he's he's got to. I mean, they got competition. Um, which I didn't realize I was starting that. I was just like, oh, Josh Richardson's a <laughs> good tweeter. So and Larry's like, I'm better. <laughs> <laughs> and the Pelicans ran with it too. That was great. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, great content. This is uh, all part of the mediafication. I've got the players in on it too. Um, <laughs> Anyways, I, yeah, I'm. I guess what, like coming out of All Star break, um, what are you looking forward to the most? Um, I mean, a, a, a healthy team minus Zion, uh, a rested team. I think you know your point about Larry is is a, uh, you know, it's a good one, and making sure that he's you know kind of ready to go and for the for the stretch run. I think. Um, I think just kind of looking at their schedule out of the, out of the gates, it's um, they're playing some teams that are beatable, but also are still playing for stuff like the Raptors and Blazers, I think are two teams that maybe we were kind of hoping would fade away, but they haven't. And so there's those two, those two games, you've got the magic who are playing well. I don't know where they're in the standings, but they're, they're not going to just shut down. They've, they've been with their full team healthy. They've been playing decently decent basketball they beat they beat uh new orleans in, in orlando earlier this year and so and they got the knicks i mean this is the the schedule out of the gate here is not as easy as the name as the team names you see might lead you to believe and so i i, I want to make sure that the team comes out as the team that we saw earlier in the year from just an energy and not taking any nonsense from teams they should be you know they're in a losing streak. You saw, obviously, without Bi and Zion, I think the, the guys just wore down a little bit. But the, up until that point, like I said earlier in the podcast, like this team has been a, done a great job at beating the teams they're supposed to. These are games they need to win. I mean, in in New York's tougher. Knicks have been good this year, but at in Toronto, at home against the Magic, in Portland, um, even at the Warriors, I don't think Steph's going to be back yet. Um, so th- th- these are all games you've got to set yourself up for success in the stretch run. And so I think, I think just the nature of these games, they're not against elite competition. They're not against the bottom dwellers either. They're against kind of that middle ground where you can see a lot of these games going either way. And the Pelicans just have to want it more. They really do. It's against uh, the so Pelicans peers. The Pelicans are in the middle ground right now. Yep. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I think, I think the thing that, uh, I'm most looking forward to coming out of uh, All Star Break is is them really just having their footing underneath themselves uh, from a game planning perspective. I think teams at this point really start focusing on doing whatever it takes to make the playoffs. At least the ones that are in the conversation too, right? The tanking teams just kind of fall off the rails uh, as we head into March, but. The good teams, it definitely seems like ASB is sort of this, um, you know, it's, it's a natural break in the season and and they come out of it and teams from a, like a scouting perspective, a game planning perspective, start to lock in more 
because it's not just, hey, it's one of 82. Now it's seating matters, positioning matters. And and that attention to detail that is required to, you know, for the next two dozen games, um, I'm looking forward to to see that because the strategic side of things is always what excites me. And I'm and I'm sure the you know, while this is a break for the players and, and, and some of the staff, I'm pretty confident the Pelican staff is going to be hunkered down, looking at their opponents coming up, looking at the matchups, drawing, you know going back to the drawing board, seeing what's working, what's not. And Hey, well, I'm, I'm excited to see the, their planning out of this. Yeah. And I think um, to expand on that, that as far as the scheduling and competition, like it's the, you know, digging, taking a, a like a, a deeper dive into the schedule and who they play and when they play them, this schedule is not as easy as, as you'd see on the surface where there's like tankathon's got them at third easiest left in the league. But I mean, like they've got, I think you can probably pretty much break it down into three stretches. They've got these like swath of teams that are like kind of right alongside them with like Toronto and, and Orlando, Portland, Golden State without Steph, um, you know, and then and then you've got in kind of in the middle there, you've got a, a four game stretch that you've really got to sweep. And it's kind of, it's almost right before you really see teams start to shut players down, but maybe it's right around the start where they've got Houston twice in a row and then the Spurs and the Hornets. I had a four-game stretch in mid-March. And then you're kind of back to playing playoff teams down the stretch. And so the question really becomes, what are the, where are those teams seeding-wise? Because you've got the Grizzlies once in there, the Warriors, the Nuggets. So, I mean, the Nuggets could start kind of coasting if, they are, if they're at the top of the West. But there's still five games to play after them, so I don't think they're going to be doing that yet. So then you've got, like, the, 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 the Clippers, Blazers, Warriors, Nuggets – Clippers again, Sacramento, uh, and then Memphis, the Knicks, and the Wolves. All of those teams, apart from you know maybe Memphis, the third to last game of the year, they may be fairly locked into the two seed at that point. I think that's maybe possible. But those teams are playing for seeding still. Like th- this is all. I mean, this is maybe another byproduct of the play-in tournament that a lot of these teams, but, but most of them are top eight in the West even without the play-in. So it's this is not. I, even though the Pelicans' strength of schedule shows twenty eighth. In terms of win loss record, it's not an easy. Schedule. It's harder than that. It's harder. The one, than that. the one stretch I'm really looking at is that West Coast trip, right? It starts March 25th. It's mm-hmm. the Clippers, Portland, Golden State, Denver. None of those are easy games. Winning on the road just has not been easy for any team this season. Um, Portland, Golden already State mentioned the seeding concerns. Those are very, very, very likely. You know, Zion's coming back. Oh, I, I don't want to say very likely. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me rephrase. Let me walk that one back. Those are potentially the games where Zion comes back. That's the window, right? Late March. Um, I think you would love to see him versus Charlotte at home, March 23rd. But that's on the early end of the timeline. And um, bringing him back on the road is, is going to be tough. It's, you know, hopefully Portland is just kind of steamed out. Maybe, maybe that's the one, um, you know, you can start that road trip with, but it's, that's not an easy stretch. And then, like you said, they come back home um, after that and, and it doesn't get easier. You know, Kings, Memphis, New York, Minnesota, all playoff teams uh, or, you know, playoff hopeful teams uh, when we include Minnesota, it's just, it's time to put the big boy pants on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Really is. I mean, and, and look, every I'm sure every team you can point to their schedule and say, yeah, maybe it looks a little harder than 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 maybe it shows on the surface. But 
I think it's disproportionately true for the Pelicans just because of who they again who they play and then when they when they play those teams. Like you're gonna you'll have an a, I'm sure there's a team that the Pelicans will be fighting with for seeding that's gonna end up playing like Boston or 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 De- Denver the last game Boston, of the season. Cleveland, and you know, whatever. Team teams that just like maybe don't have as much to play for anymore because they're locked into their seeding or or have bad teams later in the season the Pelicans who have just totally shut down. So Again, timing timing matters here, and the Pelicans are not in a great spot from that perspective. But I mean, it's also not the hardest schedule in the world. So, like you said, big boy pants on. Time to take care of business. Yep. And uh, yeah, time to take care of business. Well, well said. We're we're gonna end the podcast on that. Don't feel like there's anything else we need to take care of from a business Enjoy standpoint. <laughs> Enjoy Mardi Gras. I am enjoying Mardi Gras. Went to Muses last night. Great time. Nice. Uh, this weekend should be a, a, a great time as well but you know i'm gonna end this shout out to DraftKings. use our promo code boot just use it shout out DraftKings. <laughs> uh thanks for watching